introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach Fell. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week, we have Cody Finer of the Bluegrass Band, The Soggy Prairie. Since their humble beginnings in the spring of 2002, the Soggy Prairie Bluegrass Band has delivered quality, ear-pleasing bluegrass music presented with a familiarity that makes you feel like you're listening to live music in your own living room. The podcast is sponsored by Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin. It is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. For more information, check out ztfstudio.com. Once again, that's ztfstudio.com. Cody has personally been part of the band since the beginning, serving as lead singer, guitarist, and manager. You can find them at www.soggyprairie.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash soggyprairie, and they also have a YouTube channel, so that's youtube.com slash soggyprairie. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't you introduce yourself, kind of, you know, let the listeners know who you are and um, kind of give us like your music origin story. Yeah, so my name's Cody Finer. I uh, play guitar and sing in Soggy Prairie. We actually started the band in the spring of 2002. Uh, we were all in high school together. Uh, we were all members of uh, the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. And they have a, uh, a talent competition every year at the state uh, state convention. Okay. And one of the uh, so so we, you know, we're like, hey, we, we like to sing. We play some instruments. And 2002 was shortly after uh, the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out, the Coen Brothers movie that kind of revived bluegrass, you know, this 50 year old genre at the time. And it was just something that we really enjoyed. So we kind of picked up that that one uh, Man of Constant Sorrow song. And a couple other tunes, and just kind of, uh, just kind of did it, and we had a great time. I think it was something that they'd never seen before, and we got the opportunity to travel to national convention with the national FFA, and they uh, that was in Louisville, Kentucky that year, and we met a bunch of other bands that were competing in the national uh, talent competition, and there were a bunch of these bands from down south, Alabama and Tennessee, that would actually play out. Um, actual gigs. And that's when we thought, hey, we could actually do this and maybe people would, you know, give us money to do that. So <laughs> uh, that's kind of we started uh, junior year of high school and it's kind of been going on ever since. There's three of us that are still original band members. We've always kept it to a bluegrass format and uh, you know what what we consider bluegrass you know you can ask 10 people and get 10 different uh, 10 different answers but right we really stick to that original instrumentation that Bill Monroe and his bluegrass boys had so we have the the upright bass the banjo the guitar the fiddle and the mandolin Excellent. and then as, as many as many part harmony as possible so we play a lot of traditional old stuff Flat and Scruggs and Bill Monroe and Ralph Stanley things. And we have a few original songs. Uh, it's not something we're really great at, but we do write the occasional song here and there. Uh, but, but mostly we just focus on finding really good tunes and making them our own and having a good time. Fantastic. What got you into playing guitar in the first place? So I started singing when I was, I think in third grade, I started singing in the church choir and I, I learned pretty quickly that I had a pretty big voice, even for a little kid that I was at the time. And when I started to get into sixth, seventh grade, 
we were kind of looking for an instrument for me to play. And it, it had to be something that I could sing along with. So my mom got me that little kind of, you know, starter guitar. I don't know if it was from JC Penney's or where it was, <laughs> you know, the little, the little toy one that never stays in tune. Right. And I kind of started, that was kind of like that. Hey, let's see if he's going to like it before we spend any money on anything. So, uh, so, so I, I really, really enjoyed that. And, uh, she found me a local guitar teacher who was actually the music uh, or the youth music coordinator at the local Catholic church. And he taught me basically by learning those old folk tunes. So John Denver, James Taylor, you know, Jim Croce, stuff like that. It was learning a new song every week. So that's the stuff that I really learned on was the John Denver, James Taylor stuff. And from there, I I applied that to what we were doing with the band and it just kind of kept going from there. That's so cool. So you learn guitar, you you sing very well. I've I've heard some of your music. It sounds really really good. I really enjoyed your this, listening to your stuff. Appreciate that. Yeah. So we talked about how you kind of got started. When did you first start putting? I mean, we kind of talked about the project that you're in. You kind of put that together in high school, and you have three original members. Pre-COVID, what was your practice schedule and your gig schedule like? It's a good question, and I I don't know if I should say this in public, uh, but we never really practiced a lot. Um, we were much more of a performing band uh, before COVID. I think the, I think 2019, we played either 94 or 96 shows. And for a, for a group that does this as a hobby and all has day jobs, that's a lot. Yeah. So we, we really focused on performing and get our music out there as much as possible. And I think the, the, the idea that we've been playing for so long, or at least three of us have been playing together so long, is that when we want to try new things, we're really comfortable just doing that on stage during a performance. Okay. And, you know, we're a local band. Most of our gigs are fairly low stakes, and we're just there to entertain and have a good time. So typically, someone from the band will learn a new song on their own, and they'll be like, hey, can we try this new one out? And we're all pretty much ready to go and ready to do it. And sometimes they work out and they, they end up in the, in the set list and sometimes they don't, and we don't ever play them again. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but that, that's really the way it was before. Now, you know, since, um, since COVID we've actually, we kind of have a different lineup and we've been focusing things a little differently and we've, actually been practicing a lot for the first time in the the 19 years we've been together. So it's been about a weekly practice and uh, we've had two gigs now so far this, this year, and hopefully we can kind of keep it to, to continuing to workshop and, and, and work on those tunes that we've, some that we've been playing for almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that practicing makes it like more in depth into the music? Like you can kind of like really pull out a lot of the stuff out of the, out of the songs or is it just feel like it's just more solid? So I think it goes both ways. I mean, we've never, we've, we never want to get so rigid that we have only one way to play a song and that we overanalyze it to death. Uh, so I never want to say, okay, there's always going to be banjo solo here. And there's always going to be a fiddle solo here because I want us to be able to be loose. Sometimes I joke that our shows are, just glorified jams with microphones. Uh, but, um, you know, I think it's really good now what we're doing with some of our tunes is to really go in and say, hey, maybe we can do this a different way, whether it's how do we kick the song or maybe we can work on some additional harmonies and, and who sings this part and things like that. So uh, it is really nice to have that control of saying, okay, we're going to sit down and, and find a really, really great way to do this song. But I do always, I'm always very cognizant of the idea of I don't want to overanalyze these songs to death. And I want to make sure that we leave room for, you know, improvisation and and on the fly interpretation. Cool. What about, because you kind of talked about you do majority of covers, which is great. In the last 19 or so years of being in the group, what are some of the things that you've learned when trying to promote like your gigs and getting people to your shows? It's really hard. There's so many things going on. And as a band that, you know, we'll play in Madison seven or eight times in a month, you know, most of our shows are in Dane County. So I know there are always those rules that say, you know, never play in the same 
in this, you know, the same town more than once in six weeks or something. Um, but I think it's really important to when you do play those shows that you're always putting on your absolute best performance because those people will come back the next week. They'll come back and see you the next day at the same bar or a different bar. So it's really seizing those opportunities that you have. And then it's really, really pushing those spots where you can get new faces and and new fans and things. So uh, we, we always used to play a show called cows on the concourse. It was during the, the Madison farmer's market Saturday morning and the Wisconsin ag council would bring a bunch of cows to the Capitol square. So all the city folk could, you know, see, um, and, and they do food and all kinds of programming stuff. But, but the best part of it was we were playing right on the square for the tens of thousands of people walking around farmer's market. And we got so many shows and so many bookings and sold so many CDs just from those people kind of wandering around. And I think our type of music really lends itself to that, you know, people just seeing you on the street or people wandering by when you're seeing a show. And I think it's important for us to make sure that we're never phoning it in, that we're always high energy performing to the best of our abilities because that person that's going to see you or those people that are going to see you, we want to make sure that they want to come see us again. Yeah, definitely. And to like, obviously in the last 19, 20 years, social media has really exploded over the last probably less than 10 years now. But when you first started, were you like doing other things like electronic press kits or being on like Milwaukee rocks or anything like that to promote your shows? So oddly enough, we have never really done a lot of that actively. Uh, You know, we have a Facebook page and I do some stuff on Facebook and uh, I think it's a, it's a necessary evil to some degree. I think we, we've all had those shows that we put on Facebook that had 200 RSVP yeses and then seven people showed up. You know, I think that's, that's, we've all seen those things and, and it's, so it's hard to trust that. And, and our main, I guess what I'm saying is I've never trusted those kind of things. Um, this being able to chat with you is a really great experience and something that's kind of new for us to kind of reach out because, you know, bluegrass music is, is kind of, it's starting to get a little more popular. It has been since, since we started, but it has a fair, fairly, you know, insulated fan base and audience. And, you know, we've kind of been bouncing around that and those folks, and it really, really has been focusing on that, that word of mouth and referral business and, you know, I've never really, you know, we don't really advertise or do anything like that. And, and we've been very, very, you know, I've been very thankful that the phones and the emails come in and people are still looking to book us. And, and I think, I hope that speaks to the fact that people just see us and they like us and they tell their friends and, and that's how we continue to get hired. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. I had a, another bluegrass band on earlier. They talked about the, the environment of basically how, it kind of it's like a family with with the fans. Do you kind of see it that way as well? Yeah, absolutely. And and we're starting to get more and more into that in the last couple of years. And it's kind of funny because I remember when we started the band, we were in high school and we we tried to go to a bluegrass jam. And I remember it was at the the old Speedway on Speedway Road in Madison. It's not even there anymore. I think it's like a they knocked it down and put it in condos there or something. Yeah. But we showed up there and we were like 17 or 18 years old. And they're like, this is a bar. You guys can't come in here. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of a bummer for us yeah. to not be able to to join the community that way. So for us, it's really always been kind of just us doing our own thing. And uh, I think when I I had moved to Chicago for a while back in like 2010 and, and I came back in 2014 and that's when I started to get us a little bit more involved and, and doing more jams and getting to know those folks. And the other thing that's great about that is, uh, you know, we just played a show yesterday. It was a great opportunity for us to play at Garver in front of some, some new people, but uh, my banjo player and my mandolin player had previous commitments. They weren't available. So the nice thing about bluegrass music is you just throw in two new people that can play along with you. So um, we had a a fantastic banjo player and a fantastic mandolin slash dobro player to join us. And I think that's one thing that I love about this genre and the community that we are we're a part of. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of other genres where you can just, you know, 
just throw in a new backup drummer or something. I don't know. I, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's, that's been really great to be able to be a part of that community. And then the other piece is when people call us for gigs and we're booked, I can say, Hey, but talk to these folks. Cause they're great. And if you like us, you'll like them. And it's the exact same thing. Folks reach out to us and say, Hey, I tried to hire, you know, these, these folks and they're not available. And they said to call you. So uh, there's a great, there's a great amount of mutual respect within the genre and, you know, nobody trying to, you know, knock anybody down or steal their gigs or anything. So it's it's been pretty great. So it's basically the tide rises all boats kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're, there's no, you know, I joke, there's no sense in competing for the tens and tens of dollars that playing bluegrass music pays you. <laughs> right. So uh, so we might as well work together. Right, right. Um, you had mentioned, um, and obviously I've, I've heard your recordings. How did you do those? Was it like home recordings or did you do a mixture of home and studio? Kind of give us a, the trip through like some of your albums and how they got recorded. Yeah, we've had some great different uh, experiences with with recording albums. Our, our first album, I think, was 2005. And we were all in college at the time. And we were actually, I was here in Madison. Our bass player was at the University of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And a couple other guys were at River Falls. And the bass player knew a guy that was studying recording. And he basically you know, he had the studio and I think it was like a project for him. And he's like, Hey, come on up here. We'll, we'll record you. Um, the funny story about that is we had, we had set out, we were going to record Friday night and all day Saturday. And that was going to be our, you know, recording. We had six, six original tracks that we were going to record. Well, as we were coming up to the exit, uh, on the expressway in Minneapolis, the axle of our trailer fell off on the interstate. (laughs) And I remember this like it was yesterday. So that was, you know, and we were, I was driving my crappy old Jeep Cherokee, you know, we were like 20 years old or whatever, however old we were. And Mm -hmm. we ran around, you know, trying to find a tow truck. And of course we didn't have any money because, you know, we had spent that all on, you know, whatever beer and gas to drive to Minneapolis. (laughs) And uh, so we didn't get any recording done Friday. We recorded the whole shot the next day on Saturday And I think what we ended up doing was we had five or six original tracks that we recorded live in studio. So just the whole band playing together and setting up all the microphones, which was pretty important for us because number one, we didn't have the time to track individual instruments. And number two, I don't know that we necessarily would have been prepared to do that. The, The only playing we had ever done was playing together playing with each other. So uh, it was just a a full live recording. And then I think we also just had like a, you know, this was 2005. We had like a mini disc player that we would hook up to our mixer. And we had a couple just live songs that we recorded that we thought sounded okay. (laughs) So we threw those onto this album and that got us to like a, like a 10 song album. That was our first, uh, our first experience with recording. Um, And then we took about, about 10 years to get back into the studio. And that project was a little bit more traditional in that we did back some of our recordings. I think we tracked vocals and tracked solos and things like that. But other than that, for the most part, we, we kept it fairly live as far as recording uh, the projects. I think it took three years total for us to finish. Uh, it spanned two, two fiddle players. We started with one fiddle player and we had, gotten a new fiddle player by the time we finished. <laughs> um, and that was, that was really a, a tour de force. That was 10 original tunes and uh, one traditional. And that was, that was a lot of work. And I think that um, that really helped us realize, you know, we always thought like, if you're a band, you have to be in the studio you have to be recording albums. And I think that really taught us that it, 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 that's not what we enjoy about playing music <laughs> that we really enjoy performing and interacting with people and being on stage and, and that, you know, that camaraderie of, of performing in front of people. Mm-hmm. So for our next album was like, well, let's just do that then. So we worked with, uh, with big wheel recording out of Wanakee and we have a, I bought our mixer for the express purpose that we can do multi-track out recording from our mixer. So during our shows, we just hooked up the laptop and, 
Then we shipped it off to him and said, hey, make this sound great. And uh, that, that's exactly what it was. So I think that was a really, really fun project. We um, unfortunately released that during the pandemic. So we haven't really been able to get it out to many people. So I'm looking forward to, to getting that out there. But the, uh, the live recording experience actually you know, recording during a performance was, I think, really fun. And I think allowed us to, to keep that energy and allowed our fans to hear us in the, you know, in the way that they would normally hear us, yeah. which is in the, in the back corner of a small beer hall, <laughs> which is where we're most comfortable. So nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. So let's, if you like, um, we can put some songs on the podcast and so um, the listeners can hear, you know, obviously what, you know, what your, your band sounds like. Um, if you want to pick like two for in the middle of the podcast, and then we can pick a third one for to play the podcast out and just give us a little story behind each one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the ones from, uh, I think it's probably on a couple of our, it's probably on the, the second album and the live album is a song called Jack's song that we wrote. And uh, I kind of, loosely wrote that uh, for my nephew. I have a nephew who started playing the guitar and he wanted to, you know, play guitar like his uncle Cody. And I kind of wrote it from the, from that, uh, from that viewpoint of a little kid who wants to play bluegrass music when they grow up. And it kind of goes through, through the verses and it talks about, you know, raised on licks from Bill Monroe. And then it goes, you know, Chris Teeley on the old Mando or Sam Bush on the old Mando. I always change the lyrics when we perform it. So I, I don't even remember what the lyrics are on the <laughs> album, but it talks about those foundational folks that okay. we, you know, that we listen to that. I think if a kid was starting bluegrass today, he'd listen to Jerry Douglas as well as Lester Flatt and Bill Monroe and Sam Bush and all those guys. So um, that's a fun, fun, original tune. Born with a guitar in his hand He was 
another one that I know is on our um, is on our live album is a song called Coffee Grinder. And uh, we we wanted to write a, a bluegrass love song and it, it didn't really didn't really work out that way. Our, our bass player has some really some really interesting lyrics all the time. So uh, that that song came out with um, you can grind my coffee and I'll butter your bread. Um, and there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a love song. It's, you know, the last, the yeah. last verses give me five, five pretty long, young daughters and four fine boys. Um, and it's just, a, it's a quick, fast paced bluegrass love song. And only the way that, you know, in the way that only bluegrass can have love songs. That's a, that's a really fun tune. Keep that tape rolling. We're going to record this one too. This is a, an original song we wrote out in the woods in Richland County a couple years ago. We set out to write a bluegrass love song. That's not how it turned out. This is a song uh, unofficially titled Coffee Grinder. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. Another great tune from, you know, one of our albums should be uh, I Work the Land, which was written by one of our founding members, Mike Qualheim, who uh, has since moved away, but his brother Jim is one of our original members and still a current member of the band. And uh, that's about their 
their farm where they grew up, where their parents still live, their brother still lives. And, uh, uh, the, the, the four generations of Norwegians that have farmed that, that piece of land. So they're, they're the, the guys in the band, their great grandfather came over from Norway and started farming. And it's kind of about that story of, you know, continuing to pass that along. And, uh, that, that's a great tune that I'm, I'm lucky enough to now be able to sing, uh, since, since Mike has, has left the band. And, and that's just a, a good tune that, uh, that I think speaks a lot to, to where we've come from and you know what it all means to us i guess One, two, three, four. Nope. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's talk about local scene attitude. Obviously, you've been around for 20 years, you know, performing. Let's kind of talk about the pauses. Uh, what are some great things that you've noticed that seen happening in your town to help musicians rise above the, the noise? You know, people really love live music, and I think they're going to love it even more <laughs> since they haven't had it for the last yeah, year or definitely. so. But. Uh, we we just run into the nicest and the kindest people. And I don't know if it's because of the genre that we play or the places that we play. You know, I 
I always give so much credit to the venues where we play because they do most of the work. You know, we just show up and sing our silly songs, but um, it, it's 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 really important. And and I think we really are able to create a lot of community and people will come and they'll come to your shows again. Um, you know, there's a family that lives in Milwaukee and they'll drive to Madison on a Friday night just to see us. And it's just it's it's fantastic that people make us a part of their social calendar. And I think there's a lot of people around town that that do that. And I think what's what's nice is we've been able to a couple of our spots. We have those regular gigs. We we're now settling back into first Fridays at the Hop House, and so the first Friday of the month, those folks know they can find us there. And um, and the third Thursdays, we always are starting to get back to playing a full mile in Sun Prairie. So um, I think what's been nice is is outside of you know the Madison community, we can settle into those suburb communities, whether it's Verona or Sun Prairie or you know, Lake Mills with Tyrant Mina out there. There are always breweries. I don't know. That's just what it happens to be. Yeah. Um, and it, people are just really, really appreciative and, you know, they, they get up and they dance and they, you know, sing along with you. And, and that's, I think there's a lot of positives about that, that it's, it, it's more interactive than them just sitting there and, you know, politely listening to your music. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, let's flip the coin now. What do you see that that's a struggle for your local scene? What do you see that's kind of suffocating it and maybe needs to be changed to help musicians, you know, once again, rise above the noise? Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I don't know. You, I mean, feel free to cut this part after, but I think, you know, the, the, the pandemic has done a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a cleansing or something like that. I mean, it's almost like the, when, when times are tough, it, it really, it really puts the screws to, to bands and, you know, businesses and organizations and all that stuff. And I think the, the, the groups that come out of that are stronger for it. And I think to some degree, it's a little bit of a, I don't know if I should say culling of the herd, but Hey, we, we grew up, you know, we grew up on farms and that's, you know, the, the strong survive and the weak get left behind. And, and I think, um, I guess I'm I'm rambling at this point, but I think it's it's there are some bands that haven't done the work that they need to to be out there and they make it tough for those of us that do. And there's a lot of venues that don't want to have music because they've had bad experiences with musicians and, you know, musicians that um, that that don't treat this job with the the reverence that we do. So, um, really, I mean, the, the negatives and the things that make it hard for musicians are other musicians. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing that I would say. And, and I think that, you know, it's important to continue to develop those positive skills and interactions with up and coming musicians, you know, so they, so we can continue to build this community because we're, we're, we're the only ones that are ruining it for ourselves. Okay. Let's now talk about um, goals once, obviously, COVID is starting, at least in the United States, in certain areas where we can start being more social. What kind of goals do you have for the next three to five years with with the group? So we've, uh, this is kind of a new chapter that we're kind of settling into. We've We've gotten a new banjo player that's kind of more of a very kind of traditional Scruggs style banjo playing. And I'm looking to really expand, uh, you know, our songs, our repertoire, get a little bit more creative. And, you know, we've never had dreams of, of national bluegrass stardom, if that's even a thing. Uh, But I think, you know, expanding a little bit outside of the Dane County, Southern Wisconsin area, maybe traveling a little bit further for gigs. And, and I think the other pieces there are so many, so many great festivals out there that if we can start working up to maybe being a part of some of those festivals, whether it's a, you know, Thursday afternoon jam tent or something like that. But uh, I, I think it really is a goal of ours to, to work up to that level to where maybe we could be invited to something like a blue ox, you know, or, uh, you know, boats and bluegrass or things like that. Uh, we, you know, we, we're playing the Gandy dancer festival again this year, which is a great one. And there's a bunch of little ones around here and there, but I think if we can continue getting better and getting our name bigger, at least in Wisconsin, and then kind of seeing, you know, how we can push that, uh, 
is really where I, I kind of see this band working toward in the next few years. Okay. Great answer. Of all the gigs that you've done over the last 19, 20 years, what are some of the most memorable and why? That's a great question. And I have, I have one that's really, really easy. We played Majestic. We opened for John Party, who's a country singer, John Party and the All Nighters. And I had some, I had some friends that worked in local radio here in town. And they said, Hey, John Party is coming to the Majestic for a, you know, a, listener event or something like that. And we're looking for an opener. So that was a really, really fun show to, to play on, you know, a real stage uh, for a ton of people that were all there to see somebody other than us, but they yeah. were there and they saw us um, and they were excited. And, and that's a really big one. Cause you know, as, as a local band, we don't get to play a lot of those big shows uh, where there's other people running our sounds and uh, sound and other people running our monitors and people <laughs> plugging in our microphones for us and things. It's, it's kind of nice. It, it feels, you know, you feel a lot more like a, like a real musician when that stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, another one, we, we very similar to that. We played the taste of Madison a couple years. So that, that big stage right on the, on the Capitol square and having full professional sound and things like that. Uh, you know, those, those are the ones that are, that are really fun where it's much more of a experience. Um, but you know, I, I don't ever want to take anything away from the small local brewery gigs that we play. Cause those are really, really fun. Um, we were just talking this weekend. We played, we played a show. There was some touring, you know, small time tour coming through town and it was at the frequency. So it was probably like seven years ago or something. And um, I think the, the concert sold one ticket. Oh. Um, and you know what? We played that show and we had a really good time. And there was, we were playing for the other bands that were yeah. on the bill. Um, and I think it's, it's one of my favorite things about playing music is that we could do that. And we had a great time and it wasn't the end of the world. And, you know, as long as, as we're having fun and, and, playing good music, those things are going to happen as long as they're not happening every single time. Right. Um, you know, we just, we just really enjoy playing music and you know, that's, that's what we'd be doing even if people weren't paying attention. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a blessing that they, that they do. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember, I don't remember how it'd be at least 10 years ago where we played Shank Hall in the band I was in and it just happened to be, a major snowstorm that night and nobody yeah. came and, and that just happens, you know? Yeah. And, and Madison's a tough, you know, it's not as hard as others, but Madison's a, it's a smaller town, but it's a super busy town. So yeah. you're, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, Milwaukee, there's a ton going on, but there's tons of people that live in Milwaukee, you know, and the Chicago's and things like that. And, um, then there's those smaller towns like the Stevens points, you know, that there's not as much going on and it's easier to, it's easier to get that share. So Madison is a tough, is a tough market to, to stay busy in. And I think, I think you're right. I think it was, there was just a lot of stuff going on and I think it was like Labor Day maybe or yeah. something or Labor Day weekend. It's just, you know, the odds stacked against you and that, and that stuff happens, but um, you know, you can't, can't get discouraged and you just gotta, gotta no. keep powering through it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. As we wrapping this up, may talk about work-life balance. How do you balance not only work and personal life, but with projects and everything else? Uh, do you find it difficult or do you find it it's not as difficult as some people come across? You know, it's funny. I Just before this, I drove over to my fiddle player's house and helped her take a couch somewhere or something. And we were talking about what we had going on. And I think musicians by nature are just multitaskers. And we were like, oh, I'm doing that on this day and I'm doing that on that day. And, you know, she's a she's a, a strings teacher and she teaches lessons and she teaches schools and she's a conductor and she's doing this. And I think we all have these various side hustles. And uh, I think... Uh, I think we're all as musicians used to just always being busy. And yeah. so this week I looked at my calendar. I was like, Oh, there's nothing going on Friday night. I better schedule a practice and invite some folks over to pick. So, <laughs> uh, and, and that's it. luckily that's the way I, I was raised. We were just always busy running from one thing to the next. So, um, I'm, I'm very lucky that, you know, my, my wife is much more on the introverted side of things. So when I go off to play music or to practice, she's like, that's awesome. I'm going to be here and, and read my book. And, you know, I think that 
Um, I joke about that, but I think having that support system around you of, of people that are okay with you go and do your thing. You know, I was in this band for 16 years before I met her. So, you know, that, that always came first and it was kind of part of the package. So I think having that support system, um, and knowing that you're just always going to be busy, but also kind of knowing your limits when you need to take a break, when you need to, you know, take a day to recharge and, and take care of yourself. But, um, you know, some of us just, some of us just, just burn the candle at both ends. My, my granddad always used to say it's better to wear out than to rust out. So I think about that. Uh, I think about that pretty often and, uh, you know, it's, I'd rather be doing something than doing nothing. Yeah. So. It's, um, it's like the, the line in um, the Shawshank Redemption where the guy says, um, either get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think those of us that are musicians, it's always something, you know, if I'm, if I'm not doing something, what can I think about getting to be doing something? Right. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. As we wrap this up, what's on your playlist right now? Is there artists that you're listening to that um, you think? is not getting the recognition that maybe they should be getting. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause I, I don't really listen to, you know, mainstream radio or, or terrestrial radio. There's not really any, anything on there for me, but um, I was just talking with a, with a pal this weekend um, about Sam Bush and his, you know, he's been around for a long time and he's got that, that OG street cred of being, you know, one of the old bluegrassers, but he's also really, really, you know, experimental and does new things and does different stuff. Um, his, uh, his circles around me album is one of my favorites, just absolutely fantastic. Um, he plays with, uh, John Cowan, who I think is one guy that doesn't get a lot of, a lot of play. He, I don't know if he's still, uh, playing with the Doobie brothers, but he was with the Doobie brothers for a while and he does his own stuff. Yeah. Um, he's been with a lot of bluegrassers. Um, was it Newgrass revival? He was with Sam Bush in, I think. Um, so those guys, I, I really like, um, the, the band that used to be known as mandolin orange changed their name to watch house. They're just a fantastic duo out of North Carolina. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty well known over on that part of the part of the country, but, Uh, They do some really, really great stuff, multi-instrumentalist stuff. So I love that. Um, You know, I also listen to a lot of old stuff, Um, the old early bluegrass stuff. And and that that isn't, you know, those folks aren't around anymore. Yeah. um, It it just kind of, you know, kind of let just Spotify run with it. And um, I also there's a there's a bluegrass jam I'm going to tonight and looking forward to learning some new old tunes there. And, uh, you know, I think, I think another thing is that, you know, folks just need to pay attention to those local, local musicians well, and give them just as much playing time and buy those CDs of those local bands that are, <laughs> that are selling them at, uh, at their local shows and, and, you know, give them a spin and, and support them on Spotify yeah, uh, and all that stuff. So, cause you know, God knows we don't get paid enough for it. So no, definitely uh, not, you know, <laughs> So, and, but you yeah, know, th- those, those are a couple that I'm pretty, pretty hot on right now. Right. And, you know, national acts, they used to be local bands as well. Yeah. You know, majority of them. So, you know, yeah, help support everybody that you enjoy listening to. Cause like you said, we don't get, they don't get paid enough and they don't get enough recognition and they should. Yeah. And even if it's not, you know, even if it's not paying and putting money in the tip jar, just let us know how much you appreciate us because that really keeps us going and yeah. just coming up to the show and, you know, coming up to the stage and giving a thumbs up or something like that during a show at it, that, you know, it's not that we need it, but it, it really, really helps. Definitely, and, uh, definitely. and we really, really appreciate that because for a lot of us, that's why we do it. So, um, and as this episode's probably going to air probably end of June, early July, do you have any gigs around that time that you want to emphasize? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we have a couple monthly residencies that we're uh, that we're pretty excited about. We're we're getting started back at the Hop House again, and this is going to be a confusing one because they have two locations now. So, uh, we're we're going to be pretty close to the first Friday of the month thereabouts um, at the Hop House, which they have a, a tap room in Verona and then a, a beautiful brewery tap room in uh, in Fitchburg. 
So we're going to be going back and forth. So check out the Hop House. The dates will be there and on our website. Um, another one of our residencies is the Full Mile Beer Company in uh, Sun Prairie. Every third Thursday, we'll be out there. So they do they do a great meal and a great beer. And uh, it's in our hometown of Sun Prairie where we started the band. So we love playing for those guys. Uh, we are looking at getting some gigs started up with uh, Delta Beer Lab out of Madison. I think we might be doing Sundays with them. That's still kind of getting up there. But, uh, you know, as, as of today, we have, I think, almost 50 shows yet this year to play. So Excellent. Uh, soggy, soggyprairie.com, all of our dates are going to be there and, uh, you know, come out and find us mostly in the, you know, Madison, Dane County area. But uh, I know we're going up to we're going up to Michicot later this this summer for a, a bluegrass festival. And uh, we, you know, we try to we try to go wherever they'll have us. So. Excellent. Well, Cody, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for all you're doing for uh, for music in Wisconsin and for giving us a voice. Oh, anytime. So thanks a lot and have a good night. Take care. You too. Thanks so much. Well, that's another episode in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Cody Finer of the Soggy Prairie Bluegrass Band. I know I did. Always love doing these interviews and learning all about the great music here in Wisconsin and the great organizations and businesses that help out our Wisconsin musicians. I hope you guys keep tuning in. Uh, We just hit 2,000 downloads, which is great. I'm very happy with how everything is going with the podcast. I hope you are enjoying them as well. Uh, Don't forget, we have our Friday Music Showcase. If you're interested in being on the Friday Music Showcase, please email wisconsinmusicpodcast at gmail.com. In the subject, type in Friday Music Showcase. And in the email itself, send two songs, a little bio about yourself, and the stories behind each song also send me your social links as well don't forget you can also be on the monday podcast sign up on the website at wisconsinmusicpodcast.com fill out the guest request form and then after you hit submit check your email it might actually land in your junk or spam folder but there should be an email there asking for more information on being on the monday podcast I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. For more information, check out ztfstudio.com. Once again, that's ztfstudio.com. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you on Friday for the Friday Music Showcase.